Our next live workshop, Integrating Mind and Heart, will be held online from September 22nd to 24th, 2023. If you want to get closer and trust each other and yourself to get through the hard moments, this is the workshop for you. Sign up at whydoesmypartner.com slash events. Welcome to the Connectfulness Practice Podcast. Here, we settle into the murky, tangled, and freaking hard parts of life to restore our relationship with the self so it can ripple out to the people we love, the work we do, and the world around us. If we can't fix what's wrong, then our grandchildren inherit it. In order to fix what's wrong, we have to talk about it. And we can't move that conversation forward if we're not willing to be real about where we are now. We have to push on the edges of what it means to connect. Otherwise, nothing will ever change. I'm your host, Rebecca Wong, and I'm here to guide you through a series of radically honest conversations about what it means to be truly human in all of its messy, beautiful, hilarious, and heartbreaking glory. In our collective effort of looking inward, we're starting to do the outward work to reconnect the world. While these discussions will guide you into the connectfulness practice, this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for the depth of work that you'd encounter with a licensed provider. If something in this episode touches you, reach out. That's where you initiate the ripple that restores relationships. Learn more about my connectfulness counseling practice and my online workshops at connectfulness.com. I'm joined today by my friend and colleague, Paula Bailey. Paula is a clinical psychologist. She is bicultural, trilingual, and she works online with clients in both New York and California using a feminist psychotherapy and trauma-informed lens. Paula and I are friends, and we've been diving into conversations that are really impactful just on our own to hold and nurture us through much of this pandemic. And um, I, I just had a sense that I needed to bring some of that conversation here to all of us. And so that's what we're sharing with you here today. It's, it's a bit of our own conversation, a bit of what we've been thinking about and what we wanted to share, especially as um, America starts to emerge a little bit out of, out of this pandemic time. And so I'm really hopeful that you find this episode supportive in your own journey. And I also want you to know that this is going to be the last episode of this season. So I'm going to take a little bit of a break and replenish and uh, just rest and restore and record a whole bunch of new episodes. And the podcast should be back in late September. Take good care and enjoy the episode. I am here today with a friend and a colleague, Paula Bailey. Paula is a clinical psychologist who works online in New York and California. And um, Paula, would you introduce yourself? Because you, when we were talking before and talking about your bio and all that stuff, I know it's, um, it, bios are, are like funny in like a, here's what I am today kind of way. <laughs> right? And I know you in such a rich, deep way. And still when you were just kind of listing a few little pieces, I was like, I didn't know that about you. (laughs) So, so like, I just want to let you kind of offer yourself the way that you want the world to kind of see you in this moment in time. 
I love that. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I find it so hard and artificial to write those bios. It always makes me nervous that they sound so impersonal. I think that's mm -hmm. the main struggle, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, what I was telling you a little bit about is my background. Um, I'm a psychologist. I've been doing this for a while. And I think some of the most important pieces of my work are my background, my own personal background. I'm originally from Bolivia and I grew up traveling all over South America. And so this my, this kind of like multicultural, I'm trilingual and I have lived in all of these places that has always informed me personally. And it has been sort of such a basic part of how I practice therapy and how I understand humans. Um, and so, yeah. And so I bring that as sort of a big lens to my work. And other than that, I, I fo focus a lot on feminist psychotherapy um, and trauma. Those are my, my things and women, mostly women. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we had been um, on the phone having this like long, delicious, luxurious conversation. Gosh, was that a few months ago now, I think? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And and after the conversation or towards the end of it, we were like, this should have been a podcast episode. <laughs> well, you thought that. I I wasn't aware of that. Right. So I twisted your arm into that. <laughs> and so here we are today because as we, as like collectively, we're all coming out and kind of emerging from this pandemic. I think we're both noticing a lot of pieces that are coming up over and over again in our sessions, in our own lives, just in the world around us. And it feels really relevant and timely for us to be having this conversation. Absolutely. And so thank you for, thank you for saying yes and joining me today. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for asking and then convincing me to do it. <laughs> So I think perhaps, you know, actually it strikes me that um, I don't think on this podcast, my uh, listeners have heard me talk much about what a window of tolerance is. And I think that's a okay. term we're uh -huh. going to use a lot today. Absolutely. Yeah. So maybe you want to just start us there. You want to bring us in yeah. to your understanding yeah. of that? So, yeah, the way that I think about it is actually quite visual. I imagine two horizontal lines and that space between those lines can vary in width for people. And I think of us as being able to sort of be in that space or be above or below those borders. Um, and if you're in the space, in the so-called window of tolerance, you feel grounded, you feel present, you can feel joyful, you can even feel, you know, so-called negative emotions, but you're still grounded in your body. You're able to think clearly, you know what you know, basically. It's, it's tolerable. Yes, it's tolerable. <laughs> so you, your brain can function, your emotions are connected to your brain and everything is kind of in sync. Um, but oftentimes we go above or below it, right? And if, um, so I think, I think about it, if, you know, it's not that simple, I think it can show up in different ways, but it can kind of look like anxiety versus depression, sort mm -hmm. of. So when you're below your window of tolerance, the way that I understand it is that you feel kind of tired and lethargic and draggy and blurry and fuzzy, can't really think straight, don't really know what you are experiencing, have a hard time articulating it, right? Another way to talk about that might be like a freeze or a collapse or dissociation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. A freeze. Exactly. Right. Where you just 
don't know what to do. Something is overwhelming you and you just paralyzed. Um, and if you're above it, it's a little bit of the opposite, right? Where you can feel frenetic and you can feel out of control and your your thoughts are racing, kind of what's happening to me right now. Like you don't even know how to collect your thoughts or how to use your words, right? You're doing wonderfully. <laughs> and, and it's, you know, in that space, I often think of it as kind of like fight or flight, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's like, I, I need to I need do to something. do something, right? There's that that kind uh-huh. of, right? Versus the collapse is more of the like, I can't. Paralyzed, sunk, heavy. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. about it like quicksand. Mm-hmm. That's what the, the image that always comes to mind for me, yeah. just like kind of dragging through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you're bringing in the imagery because that's also such an important part of how, like how we show up, right? Like we often think in images or we mm-hmm. think, mm-hmm. right? So the image, like kind of know to know, really know ourselves is not just to kind of know what we think, mm-hmm. but it's also to know how we feel and how Absolutely. we embody ourselves and um, like, what are our sensations and those images kind of show up in there too. I think it makes it easier to understand, mm-hmm. right? When you can, dis- because that's the way we would describe our experience. We wouldn't use all of this jargon, right? Right. You yeah. would just say, I feel like I'm stuck in mud. Or I feel like right. a chicken with my head cut off, right? Like right. those are, they make sense. Because they make that's total totally sense because that, that's, that's how <laughs> that's humans, how it yeah, yeah, it, it uh-huh. makes it a lot easier to describe. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's a so beautiful that's explanation. I think about it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And so when we're talking about window of tolerance right now, I think the reason that we're kind of going there so quickly mm-hmm. is because as we emerge from this state of being in this global pandemic for God, I've even lost track of time. What is it like a year and a half now? Forever. Something like, I mean, almost. Yeah. Um, Uh something like a year and a half, give or take, um, as we are emerging from this and like all of a sudden here in the United States, like the world is just rapidly opening up Mm -hmm. rapidly, like so quick, Mm -hmm. about as quick as it closed right? So it's just like, boom. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us are just experiencing that we all have different windows of tolerance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that what I'm sensing as so important is that when there's almost this expectation that we should be okay and thrilled, Mm -hmm. Because who doesn't want to go back to restaurants or right. whatever, right? Your kids to school or you to dinner with your friends, whatever it might be. So it doesn't sort of match what we think it's supposed to feel like. Right. Versus on the way in, the outside felt terrifying, right? And felt so, so having that sense of um, being outside of your window kind of made sense, I think, right. to people. Whereas now, at least that's a lot of what I'm hearing in my sessions is kind of this confusion and judgment about why am I not feeling great when everybody's out there at the park or doing whatever it is that they're doing, right? And why am I so scared still? Yeah. I'm just thinking back to on the way into this. I had clients who, whether it was physical illnesses or mental health, that they had been struggling with mm-hmm. for for a long, long time. Um, it was almost like when the world shut down and we all got kind of more concerned about our health and our safety mm-hmm. in these kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. It was as if they felt like, okay, well, now everyone's kind of on their 
right? Like, like, like people understand them now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Like they're or not like, I've been prepping for this the whole yeah. time. I'm yeah. good. <laughs> I know how to do anxiety. I know. Right. right? And yeah. they did really, really good they going really into well. this. Yes. They did so good. Yeah. I was so proud of my people, you know, and now on the other side of it, a lot of them are still doing pretty darn well. And there's, they're noticing like a, another shift, uh-huh. like, yeah. Oh, I'm kind of getting left behind again. Oh yeah. Or, or mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about this thing. Why isn't everybody else? Why isn't everybody else? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what has me thinking about this so much, right? Because it's not all joyous. Yeah. It's just not. I mean, like, gosh, in my own experience, just like in my lived experience in my body, mm-hmm. I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be real about that. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, you know, my, my town is opening up. The town pool is open. Mm-hmm. My kids are like, you know, craving social interactions. Mm-hmm. And we went to the pool this past weekend. And I had like out of body experiences. I had to go jump in the water to try to get back in my body. And then I had another one when I was, it was just like, <laughs> there's so many new learnings that like, there's so many, so many opportunities for learnings, but they're, they're tough. Yeah. Yeah. Real tough. I agree with you. I mean, that that's yeah. why we were having a conversation to begin with. Right. Because this is not just something that we're seeing in our, in, on right. our couch, well, virtual couch, but it's happening to us, right? And sort of having this realization that, it, yeah, that it's just much more intense and much more difficult than, I don't know that we were anticipating it. I think we probably were all in such survival mode that I don't know that we anticipated how difficult the climb out of this would be. At least yeah. I didn't. I, w- no. I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just trying to get through the day. And I, I certainly like, I don't know that I ever anticipated any of the climb out of this. If I imagined myself anticipating the climb mm-hmm. out of this, I don't think I would have imagined the trajectory that we're on now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the speed in which we're kind of moving. And I think that's, that was part of it, right? When you and I were talking about this, we were thinking about like, yeah, it's going to start to happen. And then the next week you like emailed me and you're like, well, it happened. <laughs> No masks. Everyone's out. Let's go. I, that was so fast. Yeah. It yeah. gave it. It felt like whiplash, like it did in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. It's that blindsided kind mm-hmm. of feeling, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. And so for me, that brings up. I mean, I don't know about for you, but for me, for for a lot of my clients, that kind of feeling, it it conjures like um, you know, other experiences of of that kind of whiplash, that blindsiding, that kind yes. of boundary violation. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And, and what we were talking about before we started, right. Sort of all the ways in which we start to realize how we don't protect our own boundaries, how much we people please, how much we just go along with what's supposed to happen. Um, And having this year be such a moment of reflection for most of us. Yeah. On forced, like whether we wanted to or not. Right this period of sort of realizing how much of your life may have not worked before. 
right? Like, who am I comfortable around? Mm -hmm. What makes me uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. What, um, what are the practices that I can put into place during this time that bring me some ease? Yeah. Ease. Ease. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and like, in other words, like we went through a period of like learning to dare I say, listen to ourselves, maybe. Absolutely. Absolutely. If, you know, and I kept thinking about that kind of the whole time and, and trying to have these conversations with anyone who would listen. Like, if we do this right, if we mm-hmm. get out of this alive and our family's healthy and safe, if we do this right, what can we learn from it? Yeah. Because it seemed so clear to me from the very beginning that there was immediate lessons about the pace of my work, the amount of energy that I had outside of it for other activities, the things, so many things that I thought I needed to do, right? And I was, I was giving you the example of running. Like I used to run all, all the time and for a long time. And I think I thought I liked it. I'm not, I don't even remember now. But all of a sudden, like two months into the pandemic, I was like, no, mm-mm. I can't, no, I can't do this anymore. And it was such a bizarre moment to kind of even stop and question about like, did I, did I really enjoy it? I'm not even sure anymore. Everything seems like a, di- it seems like a different me. Yeah. Right. Right. It's like, and it was. Diff- it's a different me. Yeah. <laughs> and it was. Yeah. So there's this kind of like, um, well, there, here's the big question. How has it changed us? Yeah. yeah. Right. Like I think, and, and I think like on a, on a micro and a macro level, like yeah. how has it changed me? Uh-huh. How has it changed you? But uh-huh. how has it changed all of us collectively? Yeah. Has it? I got with what this year has been, because it's not <laughs> just been a pandemic. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've had an insurgence. Mm-hmm. We've, we've had, you know, the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, and we can just go on and on, on and on and on and on. Right. We've had a black lives matter movement. We've, you know, mm-hmm. there's just so much in this mm-hmm. year. Yeah the political, the social, the cultural shifts, right? And, and, and I think what everybody has sort of been saying all along, this uncovered all of the fractures in our society and maybe in our families and in our own personal relationships, right? It just exposed so much. And so with that exposure, mm-hmm. we could hope uh-huh. that it has changed us. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so too. <laughs> and, but, but with that, it's like, there's another layer of, of like the journey here. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I don't want to just like say that this year has been traumatic for everybody like across mm-hmm. the board. Cause I, I believe that trauma is kind of like, it's really about how we digest mm-hmm. the experience that we've had. Sure. It's not just about what has happened. It's not the thing. It's not right. It's not the thing. It's about mm-hmm. how we're, how we're, you know, digesting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that way. I think about like, if we have experienced it as trauma, mm-hmm. there's kind of, there's at least two pathways that mm-hmm. that can take, right? Because yes. we can move into the, uh-huh. like the stress response uh-huh. or we could move towards growth. Growth. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and that's sort of the conversation that you and I were having in essence, right? Because there is a place for mourning and for grief for everything that has been lost, and everything that yeah. has changed, all the ways in which we will never be the same. Mm-hmm. And then there is also a space for 
almost even just gratitude for an awakening, I think. Yeah. Personal, social, cultural, right? And what do we do with that so that we can move into the growth piece? Mm. I'm just kind of like, there's a lot to metabolize there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I'm just going to kind of center on America right now because that's the country that we're both kind of in at mm-hmm. this present time. North America, the United States. <laughs> <laughs> is one piece. Which is one piece of America, <laughs> right? Um, and I, I know that there's a lot happening in the rest of the world. I just am uh-huh. unfortunate. I'm less familiar with it. Yeah. And so I don't want to, I don't want to speak to that, but I know that here in this country, we don't have a very good history of learning and growing from things that we've lived through. Mm -hmm. I would say we try to avoid those lessons (laughs) and ignore them and tell a different story Yeah, that is easier and softer to digest. Which is making me think of my conversation from like two years ago with Resma Menachem, where Resma was talking to me about the difference of clean versus dirty pain. And so dirty pain uh-huh. is that like, you know, sweeping it under the rug, kind uh-huh. of like not looking at it, trying to like, I'm just going to kind of move around this. Whereas clean pain is like going through it, like feeling yeah. it and experiencing uh-huh. it. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. And I think culturally we don't, mm-hmm. we don't have a lot of reference points for that. Well, Absolutely, because it's such it's stigmatized, right? To to be in pain, to have emotions, to grieve, to suffer, to be sensitive, to be (laughs) dramatic, right? To sort of sit with discomfort. Um, I think part of capitalism is just like get on with it and be productive, right? Yeah. So we don't have a lot of models for what it's like to not do that and to sit with the discomfort and the pain and the grief and the whatever else it might be, and to not prioritize moving on. Right. I'm curious because you have lived in so many different South American cultures Mm -hmm. throughout your life. Is it different elsewhere that you know of? Yeah. Yes. And no. Um, Yes, yes, yes. On so many levels. But I do think that um, my experience is South America and we are, we have such a strong history of colonialism mm-hmm. and Western influence. We are Western, but like American influence, right? Yeah. And I think with <laughs> the rise of the internet, basically, it's becoming more and more homogenous. Um, our cultures are shifting so much. I think that, yeah. So it, so some some stuff sort of seems universal now that mm-hmm. didn't perhaps when I was growing up in Bolivia. But I do think, I think that I think that there are certain cultures or certain parts of culture in South America that are much more connected to the earth to begin with. I'm actually looking up at a picture of um, a mountain in La Paz, which is where I'm from. And there is such a uh, deeper connection connection to Pachamama is mother earth. And I think that when you have these religions and these cultures that are much more um, observant of nature, you are confronted and you are faced with the cycles of life, right? Yeah. And so you're connected with death and you're connected with decay, all of these things that we don't want to talk about <laughs> mostly, right? And so I do, I think it is different. And I think that because oftentimes there's more, there's a broader familial support network. There's also sort of more space to be held. Yeah. 
Right. That's something that I think a lot of people really missed mm-hmm. is, is any kind of collective holding. Like an, a big network yeah. yeah, where you are held, where you can explore some of the, what otherwise would be the dirty pain, right? Because, mm-hmm. because, because let's face it, if you are in the US and you're working two jobs and you're trying to raise your kids and you have to do your laundry and you have to clean your house and you don't have any childcare, right? And now and your kids are learning from home, right? from home because their right. schools are closed. Right. And no one can come and help you. There isn't a lot of time to dig into it. And so it becomes tempting and reasonable to move very quickly through some of these feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it requires the capacity to slow down. And the privilege. Which is what we were down. talking about, the yeah. privilege, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, and because that, that privilege is like on so many layers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To be able to slow down, to be able yeah. to really, I mean, to be able to slow down, to be able to connect to what you're actually thinking and feeling, and then to have any agency to make any changes, right? Yeah. To have the capacity in whatever circumstances of your life to adjust so that we can course correct. So many, so many of us don't have that option. Yeah. So why wouldn't you shove it under the rug and kind of move on because you really have to get dinner on the table? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, I'm just like, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm still in there like, and yet, and yet, and yet. <laughs> Let's keep going. And, and yet, there, there is such like a wave coming through in this country right now of like, no more, yeah. right? Like no more pol- police brutality, mm-hmm. no more, right? Like no more mm-hmm. on so many different levels, mm-hmm. That isn't like some of it's about the pandemic, some of it's not. But mm-hmm. if if this pandemic hadn't happened and the world hadn't slowed down, mm-hmm. would everybody have been as keyed in? Mm-hmm. Would mm-hmm. we like would would you'd be busy doing your life, right? And like right? would would we all have noticed? Yeah, maybe for a little bit, right? As you're scrolling your Instagram or whatever, you learn about something terrible that happened in some other city that you've never been to and you maybe reflect on it for a little bit and then you keep going with your life. But, but with people yeah. home and not working. Nowhere and, to go. You know, like we, we tuned in. No distractions available, right? Yeah. yeah. We tuned in. Absolutely. And and then the layering effect of all of the things that happened, right? As we were yes. discussing, you know, I personally believe that if the pandemic had happened under a different administration, perhaps totally. we'd be having a very different conversation. Yeah, right? I agree with you. And so all of these layers of sort of are just all the cracks that kept cracking more and more and more. And until everything that we thought was kind of on the surface was removed and now we can really see what's underneath. Which is, which is both, right? Like it's a both end. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, I'm, I'm grateful for what we can see. It's been there. It's um, not like new. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And like now that we can see it, like ah. I, don't, I don't really want to look away. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But I like, it's hard to look at. But it's also so hard, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is so hard. Yeah. And so there's like, I think all of this is playing with like, that window of tolerance again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we're emerging mm-hmm. from this pandemic mm-hmm. and it's like, what, what do we take with us? 
what do we keep working towards? What? Yeah. Yeah. What are the things that you hold on to? Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that I, yeah, I keep having this conversation because maybe, maybe it's similar to what you said of not wanting to look away. I keep having this sense of, I don't want to lose what we learned. Yeah. I'm so scared that we're just going to be so excited to go back to life. And then we're going to be so busy in our regular lives that we're going to forget. And that we, that this is going to feel like a fever dream. Yeah. Right. And there's so much here that is painful, but there's so much here that is also full of potential and offers us, I don't know, just such a different way, a a possibility for a different way of living our lives. What are you holding on to? What are you going to try to take with you? I'm not going to run anymore (laughs) for starters, unless I feel like it, maybe. (laughs) Um, What are some of the things there's, I think the main thing I want to take away is that it's, this sounds, this sounds like I should know this by now. Right. But I want to continue to take care of myself. Yeah. We should know how to do this as therapists, supposedly. Right. This is so much of our work. And yet I don't know about you, but I was terrible at it. You know, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I don't think our listeners could see me rolling my eyes, <laughs> but I wasn't rolling them at you. I was rolling them kind of more with you. Right. Because, because like, I think, I think I look on the outside often, like I have my stuff together. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. And mm-hmm. then on the inside, I don't even think I knew how freaking like people pleasing and accommodating and stuff uh-huh. I was. Uh-huh. And then there's this thing that's happening now where yes. like, my window of tolerance is being challenged in a lot uh-huh. of different ways. Uh-huh. And like, do I just kind of go along because I don't want to uh-huh. make waves or mm-hmm. do I assert myself and take up a little bit of space? Uh-huh. Like sometimes literal space, like, no, I don't want you near me. Literal. Give me my, uh-huh. you know, like, like give me my six feet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? or, or mm-hmm. am I like, I can make myself smaller so that like, I don't make you uncomfortable. Because so you're not uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And Perhaps, right. And I think that physicality of it was also so helpful, right? Because it made it so concrete. Yeah. The first time I went out, I was uh, in Brooklyn and I went out of my apartment for whatever reason. And I remember someone getting so close to me in the stairwell as I was coming down. And exactly the same experience that you're describing, right? Where in my head, I was like kind of screaming like, no space. (laughs) And I, nothing came out of my mouth, nothing. Right. Right. And it was, it was like the accumulation of little moments like that where I'm like, Oh, Paula, you have no idea what you're doing. Like you talk a good game, but you're not doing any of that for yourself. I I think for me, I mean, like that I had like a series of events, right? Like I, I, uh, we went into the pandemic. I got into a car accident. That's right. right. So there was, there was a few different Uh pieces that all kind of happened there. Uh But for me, like looking at boundaries, Uh looking at like how I navigate that, how I accommodate others, how I don't speak my truth all the time. Uh Like Uh those have become parts of like my, my focus over this time. Uh And, um, gosh, I want to take that, those lessons with me. Like I, I don't want to let go of that forever. That's exactly right. Because, and even if you think about, I, the physicality of it was, sort of something I thought about so much because I, I do work with 
a lot of uh, survivors of trauma and sort of how often it is that we ignore what happens to our bodies in our bodies. Right. And we sort of just kind of move along um, and not make waves. And in this sort of overnight, we were given permission to protect our boundaries, bodies. Yeah. And just like a little space past where your body ends. Yeah. Um, And I found that to be kind of a revelation for some of us. Yeah. I think there's a lot of us. um, I I certainly see it in my practice, which I know is a self-selected group, right? Absolutely. Yes. Um, But I, I certainly see it in my practice amongst my friends, amongst colleagues that I'm friends with, right? Like that, physical safety has not always been a given. Generally not. Generally not. Right. You know, like, especially for women, especially for people of color, especially, Uh right. Like that Uh this time to be able to kind of take a little claim on that. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And like protect ourselves in ways that we felt were right. Or, you know, for some, some people went the other way. Like, you know, that, that felt like a prison. And even if it didn't feel right, because I think a lot of people struggled with it, including myself, right? Those moments when we don't say anything, it doesn't really, it kind of, you think it's right, but it doesn't feel right in your body because you're not used to doing it. It was socially condoned in a way that it generally isn't, right? For us to be, for us to be able to say, no. Yeah. Right. And there's that, right? Like you just, you just made Uh that hand motion where Uh you're like, you put your hand up and you say no, right? Mm -hmm. And (laughs) <laughs> my own therapist kind of had me grab a, a Sharpie and write no on my palm. Uh-huh. Right. And then on the back of my hand, I wrote the word yes. Uh-huh. And so whenever I put my hand up and I said, no, I was saying no to something, but I was saying yes to it. Oh my God. I love that. Isn't that wonderful? And so like, this became a thing for me where I was Can like, we all borrow that. That is yeah, so good. Yeah. I think we all should. Right. But it's like, it's that oh. reminder, like, no, mm-hmm is like, no, like, I'm not going to just allow myself to be contorted anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not going to keep making myself small. I'm, I'm going to say yes to something. I'm going to say yes to me and the thing that I want that I have like been pushing under the rug uh-huh. and not noticing all this time. Uh-huh. But I, I think that that's, I love that because oftentimes when we're talking about boundaries, we talk about, and we experience how difficult it is to say no. Mm-hmm. Right. And so much of the work is around guilt yeah. and but it's so helpful to think about the the space that you are creating for the yes. Mm. Like that's why you do it. That's why. Right. <laughs> but we don't, I forget that. I do too. Like I needed an actual yeah. like visual reminder. I still write visual. it on my hand. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's the boundary piece is, is definitely what I'm taking with me. Mm-hmm. from this year. Um, and I think another piece mm-hmm. for me, maybe like a, a permissiveness, which is probably still part of boundaries, but a permissiveness over like, just, just noticing like, this is where I am right now. This is what makes me comfortable. Mm-hmm. This is what doesn't make me comfortable mm-hmm. and allowing myself to just like, let that be my truth. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not comfortable with that. I, I, that's okay. And what do you think it was about this moment that allowed you to connect to that? Oh gosh. I, I think for me, it was like, 
I think I was like in a perfect stew. Uh-huh. You know, I think, I think the pandemic was a huge piece of it. I think there's a lot of personal work that went into it. There's some, you know, uh, deeper learnings that I'm in the midst of uh, professionally. Like there's, there's so many different uh-huh. pieces that all kind of stewed together in that. Yeah. But so I don't know that I could like say, it's, oh, it's this thing. Yeah. But it's, I think it was part of also how I survived this time. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Because when you get down to whether or not you consciously were thinking about this all the time in the beginning of the pandemic, for, for a lot of us, it felt like survival. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, at least where I was in the middle of New York City, me and everyone around me. I remember I mean, like some of your early stories when we would hop on the phone and you'd be like, I had this many gloves on. <laughs> and I didn't know if I could like open the building door and then what do I do with the glove? And then like, right. But then there's another door after that door. So what do I do? <laughs> it was mind blowing how it, and, and everyone around you looks as terrified as you feel. Right. It, it only lasted like it was, it was that intense for, for maybe a, a couple of weeks, but like those right. first few days, they were intense. They were so intense. And I think that when you are in that survival mode, you kind of don't have a choice, but to give yourself permission to do whatever it is that you need to do. And there's like, I don't know that we can say this enough. I think like, I want our listeners to like, really like, like drink this up. Right. But there's wisdom in what we do to survive. Oh, yes. Uh Uh-huh. Right? And I think often Uh what happens is is that like in Mm -hmm. that pressure to like, Mm -hmm. in the pressure to to be like everybody else, to Mm -hmm. be accepted, to fit in, we like don't listen to that wisdom. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 And, and then I think the other thing that happens is that as part of the not listening, maybe related to it, maybe due to it, oftentimes that's what turns into symptoms. Mm-hmm. Right? right. Right. It's the not listening. Yes. And the thing that was trying to get our attention then gets changed into some, gets louder or gets um, more destructive sometimes, right. To try to get your attention. And that turns into the insomnia or the anxiety or the whatever it is that is distressing you, right? Right. It's that sort of like feeling that is lightly knocking and then eventually like banging on your door, right? Yeah. What I have found recently, like in the past weeks, in getting together with with friends in person, Mm -hmm. which is like still something I'm kind of slowly emerging into, is that it really helps me just to name where I'm at. Like, yeah. oh, this makes me anxious. I'm sitting, I'm sitting with this. This, this I don't know if I'm comfortable with, right? Like, uh-huh. but when I can put words there and just like be accepting of like uh-huh. that's where I'm at right now, yeah. I find that the people I'm with don't really care to judge me. Like uh-huh. I'm the one that did all that judging. You are the one. Absolutely. Yeah. Not only in my experience, thankfully, do they not judge me, but oftentimes they're like, oh my God, thank God you said something because I was also feeling that and I just thought it was so weird. Right. right. And and even the friends who like have really different viewpoints than me on things, and they might be a lot more comfortable than I am. They're like, okay, take all the time you need. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, they don't have to. Yeah. It's not agreeing on the particular thing that causes you discomfort. It's agreeing on the fact that all of this is confusing and upsetting and moments, right. And that it can be super uncomfortable and just being able to be okay with whatever it is that you're experiencing. Yeah. gives other people permission to do the same for them, even if they're in a different space of it. I want that for all of us. Mm -hmm. Like that, that degree of like, of, of speaking up for ourselves, mm-hmm. whatever, like we don't all have to agree. And I think this is a sign of health, right? Health doesn't mean that like we assimilate and we're all the same, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it, it is that we can like tolerate our differences mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we can like navigate discord. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. Which was so evident that we couldn't in the last year and a half right. on a range of topics, right? Across that was, I think that was the, that was the theme. Yeah. I mean, politically it still is. Masks, no masks, backs, all of it. This side and that side working together, Uh like, you know. Cannot navigate that difference. Right. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. (sighs) Yeah. You have any other thoughts? anything that you want to take with you, anything that has really made an impression on you, anything that's changed you? I think one of the most important things that I learned aside from the taking care of myself, which was the most important for sure. But I think the next thing was, giving myself permission and time and space to be in some of my better relationships. Can you say more about that? (laughs) Like, what do you mean by like, was there, are you talking about like a discernment process? Like what relationships are serving me? Yeah. 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 And then giving myself permission to be in them all the, like in, in new ways. In them. In them. Right. Yeah. So I I don't know. I just, the priorities shifted Mm -hmm. so, so much. And I found myself having these long, beautiful conversations with people that perhaps I didn't talk to all the time, including you. I don't, Mm -hmm. I was actually just telling my partner before we, we hopped on that. I don't know that I had ever spoken to you on the phone before the pandemic. No, I think the pandemic like brought us into conversations all of a sudden. And then we had these long, beautiful conversations and developed, you know, a beautiful friendship in this context. Yeah. Right. And, and it was things like that and connecting another example. I have a bunch of friends that I grew up with in Bolivia um, and we've all remained really close, but we live all over the world and we never see each other. We don't really talk other than like check-ins on Facebook kind of thing. And then all of a sudden we're having, you know, once a month, we're having these hangouts that go until like four in the morning and we can't get enough of it, right? And it's been so long since we've been together in person. And these, I don't know, it's just things like that that have been so beautiful. Um, another thing that comes to mind is having the time and the space to be with elderly people in my life who I used to see more periodically before. And now, because I work remotely, I can spend a lot of time with them. Yeah. And yeah. that is amazing. That is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I have gotten to know my 
my my children on a very different level yeah. this year. And that has been uh-huh. and my and my partner. Like we've okay. all been home together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um we had the privilege and opted to homeschool this year. Yeah. And so um like all of us have been here. And it's it that has been for me like I'm getting teary thinking uh-huh, about like uh-huh. what this year has been. It's, uh-huh. it's, it's been um, really impactful. Yeah. And I think highlighted, I had, the, I um, had the same experience with my partner. And when we started thinking about going back to work, we both had a profound sense of sadness. Yeah. Like I want to have lunch with him. Yeah. <laughs> I like going for a walk with him in the middle of the day. Um. And sort of already noticing how much I'm going to miss that, right? Because, because again, going back to sort of these really busy lives where we would often cross ourselves and come home exhausted and like, you know, it, 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 so much of our lives was spent apart. Yeah. And to be in these close quarters for such a prolonged period, I mean, and ups and downs, right? There were all, totally. also times where he wanted to kill each other. I mean, we did. Um, and I don't know. I feel I'm going to miss that. And so that's, those are the kinds of things that I'm trying to think about, right? How, how do I schedule my life literally and symbolically, right? Because when you think about, when I think about scheduling, I think about quite visually, I think about my calendar and what goes on it and what goes on it is what I prioritize and what is important to me. Right. And so if I look at that calendar and I don't see a lot of time with the people that I love or with whatever, right. Horseback riding. I got into that. I told you, right? I know. Then that's that's a sign, and I want to start to be able to shift that if I can. Yeah, yeah. Right? If I can. Yeah, I'm I'm big into scheduling right now. I'm I'm like I'm um I'm shuffling all my clients around Are so you? that I can uh-huh. consolidate my hours into uh-huh. the hours that really work for me that and my family. Yeah. And it's funny because I had done this right before the pandemic and then with the pandemic, independent, independent, I had done it. I had, I had shuffled it Uh and I'm going back to that schedule now because I released it during the pandemic. Like, Oh, Uh well, you know, everybody needs you. It it wasn't even that everybody needed me. It was that I thought my family needs changed or I thought you like, so I thought that like I I misread something in there Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, or I didn't. You know, it was what it needed to be then, and it's not what it needed to be now. No, but uh-huh. um, but something shifted in there, and so I I released what I had set then, and now I'm trying to reclaim it. Yeah. Um, and so so that's really interesting for me. It's just to kind of see like, oh, like, huh? When we're out in the world, these are the hours that really I need, uh-huh. and when we're less out in the world, like I shifted something. But mm-hmm. when we're in the world, these are the hours I needed, and you want. Mm-hmm. You know what I think it was? I, I shifted it <laughs> because um, I, I needed to take some me time when my kids were in their classes, like when they were studying and stuff. And so oh, shit. like I, I, shifted, <laughs> I shifted things in a way that worked for me during the pandemic. Uh-huh. Yeah. And now I'm shifting it again. But, uh, but I, you know, going back to sort of, right, it's, it's the insight and the permissiveness, right? The yeah. permi- right. Can you give yourself permission to continue doing that? For, for me, I want to stay remote because yeah. I, I do, I, I, I want to be able to travel to go see my family, which 
I don't do because it takes a long time to get to Bolivia. And, and, and I mean, you, your family's in Bolivia and mm-hmm. your clients are in two different coasts. Yes. Yes. And yeah. I cannot like split myself in all of those ways. Right. And so I, that's what I'm now struggling with. Right. Because when everybody else was remote, I was like, Oh, this is fantastic. I mean, I wasn't traveling at that point, but I could imagine right where I could maybe go home for a bit and still work. And for a moment, I started to feel the pressure of going back into the office. I mean, I still feel the pressure of going back into the office and I'm trying to kind of hold myself steady and and say, well, maybe that's not what I want to do right now. I think there's a lot of people that are not going to go back into the office. I think companies are going to shift like on a lot of different levels. I know, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of witnessing uh, through my husband, just like how his office is handling, Uh you know, and I get the sense that this may have been a moment in time that changed a little bit of this idea that we have to be physically present all the time. You think, in order- so? you think it's going to stick around? I think we have an opportunity to, I think we have an opportunity. But that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. We have an opportunity and you have yeah. to kind of claim it, right? You do. You have to claim. I think we all uh-huh. have to like, yeah. well, this is what works, you know? This is or what like, works for me now. Right. Yeah. Right. And I'm hearing that there are more and more companies that are saying things like, okay, well, you have to come in like two days a week, or uh-huh. you have to come in when we have meetings. Right. But they're not saying you have to be here all the time. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. Yeah. I'm not ready to go back in person yet. I kind of like this online thing. I really do too. And I'm finding my clients are coming from further away. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's not really even a conversation so much anymore. Like, am I going to go back into the office for everybody? For some, but not Maybe. for everybody. Yeah. And haven't you also noticed, I mean, at least for me, it's been amazing how few cancellations I've had. So few. <laughs> right. oh, well, actually, up until this week. <laughs> it's like the first week since the pandemic that yeah. I've had any. And I also have noticed like how much I could actually read off of somebody's face. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I used to, I'm not saying that it's not effective to like watch someone's entire body and, and right. Like what their, what their feet were doing, yeah. what their toes were doing, like exactly. how are they breathing? Are they breathing? But, right. But I could actually see that just uh-huh. watching a face. Uh-huh. I could read so much. And you know what I've done with a lot of my clients is because I do do sensory motor psychotherapy, mm-hmm. which is um, a trauma treatment, work a lot with the body. I, my patients are kind of used to me asking that some of those questions um, and so now I ask them to tell me what is happening. Right. And what yes. and then what they're reporting is that now they're much better able to notice what their body is doing because they have to rely on noticing so they can report it to me. Oh, that's beautiful. Isn't that cool? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll be in session and someone will tell me, right? Just so you know, I'm tapping my foot incessantly. <laughs> Right, right. Uh-huh. I, so I'm I'm studying somatic experiencing now, and I have a similar kind of body based uh-huh. kind of approach coming into the work. Uh-huh. And my clients are also sharing things with me, like, "Oh, well, this is, you know, my my legs are crossed, or my foot's back on the ground, yeah. or my feet weren't touching the ground, and now uh-huh. they are." Right, and Amazing. there's a lot, a different degree of awareness that's uh-huh. coming through. It's putting some of that responsibility, I think, on them, right? Yeah. Which I really love in therapy when it's really collaborative. Where I'm like, yeah. "Let's talk about the goal. Do we agree on the goal?" And then let's do it together. Right. Yeah. It's great. If I can know that you're, that if I, I can notice what your foot is doing, but it's even better if you can. Well, because once you start to notice it mm-hmm. now that can carry with you 
into your day to day. Like now, oh, when my foot does this in therapy, it means this and Uh it's doing it now. And Uh so what does it mean? And it comes full circle to boundaries, right? right? Because you're like, oh, my body's telling me this thing. I should listen. (laughs) It's always about boundaries. Everything's about boundaries. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to blow your mind on one thing. My, My therapist and I always have this conversation. Boundaries, as we use the term in English, doesn't really exist in Spanish. Huh. <laughs> yes. Take me deeper. Is can you? Maybe I'm wrong, but I have done Out some it. I've done some Googling. I have looked around because when I first started working with this therapist um, before the pandemic, we were talking about boundaries, and she is from Argentina. So we kind of like get each other on that level. And she just started laughing and she was like, Paula, there is no word for boundaries in Spanish. What, how could your family possibly understand what you're talking about? My head exploded. It's just, is there, is there like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like gather my head. Hold on. (laughs) There's some, yeah, there's somewhat similar words, but that stand for much more like physical boundaries, like a perimeter uh-huh. or something like that, but not in the way that we use it in English, at least in this moment in culture, right? right. In our world, you and me, when we talk about boundaries, we, right, we have this very sort of deep and complex understanding of what that means. And it's so emotional. I'm, I'm thinking, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of like you know, the work. I, I talk a lot with Jules Shore, uh-huh. who um, teaches a lot about boundaries and she talks about at least four different kinds of boundaries, uh-huh. right? And that's not even including so much like the ones that like, you know, like this is my house, don't break in kind of thing. It's, right. but it's more like, you know, there's like my physical boundary, mm-hmm. right? There's my psychological boundary, mm-hmm. right? There's um, uh, my containing, my, like my containing boundary, mm-hmm. my, and my like executive boundary, my executing, executive whatever, like, like making one, decisions, like, mm-hmm. and then how I act things out, like how I, oh, how okay. I put things into action. Right. But like financial um, is another one I think about yeah. often. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. so many different kinds of ways uh-huh. that like, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to think of how, how is it? Could it be talked about in another way? Well, that goes back to so much of what we've been discussing already, right? Which is the society and the culture that we're in and what is allowed Mm -hmm. and what isn't and who gets to have boundaries, right? Right. Because in a traditionally kind of Hispanic upbringing, the man of the house gets to have lots of boundaries, Uh but others don't, right? And so it's so uh, context dependent. Yeah. And if we don't have a word for it, then how do we talk about it? If we can't talk about it, then- then it doesn't exist. And, and if you're it just bad for wanting it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Is there a word for like oppression? Oppression, yeah. Okay. So yeah. so then, I mean, like I, I think about that too when I think about boundaries. Like what are the ways in which either from the outside I've been oppressed or even from the inside I've oppressed myself. uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Coerced. Yeah. Is another word that comes to mind, right? Yeah. 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 And I was listening to a podcast of yours the other day. I don't even remember exactly which one, 
but you were talking about power over versus power with. Mm-hmm. I love that concept. Um, I don't know from you, the Why Does My Partner podcast, maybe. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Do you know anything about relational cultural theory? Teach me. Ooh, it's. A, I mean, that's a whole another conversation we could have. But it's sort of it's how I got into feminist psychotherapy to begin with, um, back in grad school, and it's a group of women who started working together maybe in the seventies at the stone center up in Wellesley. Um, and they talk a lot about this concept. Right. And I, and you said it just right when, in that podcast, the thing that happens is that when there's power over the person who has the power, doesn't ever notice the pain. Right. right. Even though they might be experiencing it, even though a part of their humanity is suffering from that oppression or that injustice, right? They are losing a piece of their humanity. So they are suffering, but they don't necessarily know they are. But it is the person who is under who really experiences and gets to voice all of that. Right. And so that's what I, right? So when we talk about these, the language, the language is centered and created around the people who have power. (laughs) They're the ones that, right, create the diet, right? You know what I'm saying? I totally hear you. It's, it's, it's so, it's so interesting, you know, I mean, talk about another thing um, I want to take away from, from this year is that um, I've been, I've been homeschooling my daughters. Uh And so in terms of like the history lessons that we've been teaching or the science lessons that we've Uh been, right. Like we've been able to, to, in some ways begin decolonizing a little bit of some of their education. And that is like, it's it's rattled all of us in our home sure. to learn some of the stuff that we've been learning yeah. because it's not what we've ever been taught. Mm-hmm. And so who teaches are the people that are in power? Who gets That's to d- decide what is taught? What happened? Right. Yeah. Right. What happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're the ones that created, right? The narrative, the, the stories that we all walk around with yeah. and the language that we use. Very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what just came to mind is, you know, Bruce Perry and Oprah Winfrey just came out with this new book, What okay. Happened to You? Have you, uh, have no. you seen that? Mm-mm. So it's it's very much about trauma and kind okay. of how we work through it and all. Um, I've only started to read it. I I'm, I've, have like a collection of about 20 books that I'm in the middle of. <laughs> but what I've taken from it so far uh, is that so often the question that's that's asked is what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And they wanted to change that conversation mm-hmm. to what happened. Oh, what, right. Oh, and yeah. And uh-huh. yeah, so there's uh-huh. something about that that uh-huh. is like, I think that's a, f- a new frame for uh-huh. a lot of us, right? Like, uh-huh. how have you come through this pandemic? What what yeah. are you taking with you? I think yeah. that's a different way of like, for us to start talking mm-hmm. about this. And that's I hope- a, that is exactly yeah. right. I so I, what happened to you? Because a lot happened to us in the last 15, 16 months, whatever it's been, right? Yeah. So much. And so as we're coming out and we're having these out-of-body experiences at the pool or where, you know, restaurant, wherever it is that you are, it is a product of what happened to what us happened. and yes. what sense we made of it, right? right? And what stories we've been told and what stories we told ourselves. It is not what's wrong with you that you're freaking out at the pool. There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong there's with There's nothing you. wrong. And there's nothing wrong with anyone else who freaks out like I do or, or doesn't or freaks out less or freaks out more. Like there's, there's nothing wrong with us. It's yeah. just, this is part of our story and, yeah. and it's ours to metabolize. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what we're taking away. That's it. 
Paula, thank you so much for joining me for this oh conversation. I have thank really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, me too. It's an honor. Um, I love our chats always. I do too. <laughs> I do too. And I'm really grateful that you let me talk you into joining me here because I think there are so many listeners that are going to benefit from this too. I really appreciate that. I was quite intimidated. So I appreciate you talking me into it. I'm really grateful you let me. (laughs) Thank you. And take care, everyone. All right, folks. So that's it for season two of the Connectfulness Practice Podcast. I hope that you have enjoyed your journey with us. Of course, you can always go back and listen to past episodes of season one or season two or my very old podcast, The Practice of Being Seen, or my brand new podcast, Why Does My Partner, which I co-produce with my colleagues, Julianne Taylor-Shore and Victoria Issa. And you can find Jules and Vicky and I over at Why Does My Partner. It's a super fun podcast. We take questions from our listeners. So if you have some that you want to share with us, generally questions that start like, why does my partner or why doesn't my partner? Sometimes they start a little different than that. But feel free to go over to the whydoesmypartner.com website and leave us your question there. We'd love to answer it on a future episode. And then, um, yeah, I'll be back in late September. So... I just look forward to to being back in conversation with all of you and take good care of yourselves as you emerge out of this time and listen really deeply to what your needs are and to what you choose to take with you from what you've learned about yourself. Be well. You can learn more about my connectfulness counseling practice and my online workshops at connectfulness.com. I want to express my deep gratitude for Sarah and Chris Ferris, the musicians behind the beautiful soundtrack for the Connectfulness Practice Podcast, which they recorded and mixed at Kidneystone Studio. And more gratitude for Little Green Art House for all of our post-production needs. This podcast is produced by me, Rebecca Wong, and copyrighted by Connectfulness Counseling. Take good care and be well. Our next live workshop, Integrating Mind and Heart, will be held online from September 22nd to 24th, 2023. If you want to get closer and trust each other and yourself to get through the hard moments, this is the workshop for you. Sign up at whydoesmypartner.com slash events.